Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Thursday, April 25th. This week, nutrition in hospital. Let's hear from our guest interviewee. Hi, my name is Philip Schutz and I'm a professor of internal medicine at the University of Basel and I work at the Kantonsspital Aarau in Switzerland. Dr. Schutz, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're one of the authors of an article published by The Lancet online on the 25th of April. And this is looking at, it's a very interesting topic actually, this concerns nutrition for inpatients, non-urgent inpatients, medical inpatients at hospital, not undergoing surgery or acute treatment, who could be at risk of malnutrition as, as to what should be done in terms of supporting their nutrition needs in hospital. This may sound obvious to people listening to this, but I think what pricked my curiosity when we decided what to do for the podcast this week is that actually the evidence base for, for this whole area about nutrition support for at-risk patients of malnutrition is very poor or non-existent. Is that right? Yes, it's, it's very interesting indeed. So when you look back, there is already Hippocrates uh, who said, you know, that nutrition is very important for your well-being. Um, and of course, it's also well known that severe disease go, goes in parallel with a deterioration of nutritional status. But the gap here is really that we don't know whether in an acutely ill patient or a patient coming to the hospital uh, who typically has loss of appetite, whether provision of nutrition in, at, at this time point really helps to um, improve nutritional status and also improves clinical outcomes beyond nutritional status. What would be considered a standard nutrition? And, and your study obviously uh, was, was done in Swiss hospitals, but I'm sure we'll be able to discuss later how generalizable these findings may be. Tell us what standard nutrition would be in a Swiss hospital, and also conversely, what guided um, nutrition would be for at-risk patients in the Swiss hospital setting? So the typical Swiss hospital would um, give patients um, a food menu. They would have a choice of different types of foods. Uh, they could have dessert and they could have drinks. But you know, what, what is important here is that patients, when they are sick, when they're in the hospital, or when they have pneumonia or heart failure, they don't eat because they don't have appetite. So the typical problem is that patients come into the hospital, they have the full free choice of foods, but they don't want to eat the foods. And so what we basically did in the study is compare a control group where we would just tolerate the patients not wanting to eat with the intervention group where dietitians went to the patients and they came up with an individualized nutritional plan how to reach certain nutritional goals in these patients. So this means uh, for every patient, we set goals in regards to calorie goals, in regards to protein goals, and also uh, micronutrient goals. Together with the patient, we discussed what kind of foods he wanted to, to, um, to eat to reach these goals. And this included in a lot of these patients also the use of oral supplements, uh, which is a, a means to reach these goals, which it has a lot of things, a lot of uh, energy in these um, small drinks um, to reach these nutritional goals. And thank you. So was it straightforward then to, to assess the patients who were at risk of, of poor nutrition and therefore the group that would require protocol-guided nutritional support compared effectively with the control group that you've, you've just mentioned? So in Switzerland, um, starting about three or four years ago, most hospitals have started to screen patients for their risk of malnutrition. We use a certain screening tool which is called the nutritional risk um, screening tool. And this is based on uh, the weight loss in the last weeks um, and also in the last months. 
um, and the current appetite of the patient that he's reporting. So if he has um, lower appetite than, than usual. And also the severity of illness plays a role because the higher the severity of illness, the higher um, the, is the actual energy need for the certain patient. So most hospitals, they do the screening. And based on the screening, about 30% of the inpatient population in the medical board is considered to be at risk for either being malnourished or developing uh, malnutrition due to the disease. Um, and of course, because this is such a large proportion of patients, it's important to, to understand whether we should now start feeding protocols in all these patients or whether it is just okay to wait until a patient has overcome his disease and starts to eat just by his own appetite, coming back where the disease is well controlled. So the decision is whether you should be proactive and do something about it earlier on or be reactive and implemented if you think it's required further on i i see do now summarize the the population we're talking about here because it's a large study across several hospitals in switzerland just talk through the study population and run through into the key results area sure so so we wanted really to to not focus on specific uh, disease patients but on the general internal medicine population we included patients if they had a risk for malnutrition based on the screen tool um, if they stayed in the hospital, presumably for at least um, five days, and if they um, provided informed consent to be part of this study. So we have patients with infectious disease, or pneumonia, or UTI. We have patients with heart failure, with cancer, with pulmonary disease. So it was a very um, broad population of patients coming into the study. Um, we had very few exclusion criteria. Those were based mainly on the ethical issues of patients that had undergone nutritional treatment prior to coming to the hospital. Patients coming from intensive care or surgical patients, they would not be allowed um, to be in the study. But other than that, we had a very broad and open um, patient population. And numbers of patients that you were able to allocate into, into the intervention group and control? We had 2,028 patients um, in the end um, that took part of the study and that were randomized to the intervention and the control group. Go through and tell us about uh, the main results and the statistical significance, how strong or not that was. The results of the study showed out that first it was feasible to feed these patients. So about 80% of our intervention group population actually reached their nutritional targets. And of course, this means that the algorithm that was used to feed the patients was uh, an algorithm that was feasible. But more important than that, we found that the risk for severe complications, which was our primary endpoint and which was a composite endpoint based on mortality, uh, ICU admission, uh, cardiovascular complications or other types of complications, and a decline in the functional outcomes of patients from admission to day 30. So we found a significant reduction in the risk of reaching this combined treatment failure uh, endpoint in patients that um, were treated with the nutritional protocol. The difference was about 4%, so our number needed to treat to prevent one severe complication was about uh, 27. In terms of your expectations, how do these results meet or otherwise your expectations here? So based on previous trials, which are mostly small trials, we were expecting to have a, a positive impact um, on outcomes of patients in regard to mortality and also to complications. Now, the results we found are, are actually quite similar to our power, um, power calculation we did beforehand. 
But this um, essentially is the first really large-scale trial, and so these results are also statistically significant, which was not the case in previous smaller trials. So we've got some statistical significance here. The key thing, of course, is where do we go from here, both in terms of whether confirmatory research is required in other settings and or what it means for policy in terms of the investment in nutrition programs for offsetting health problems further down the line. Where are we now in light of your paper, this study coming out? What needs to happen next? There were some studies in critical care that actually showed that if you do overfeeding during the acute phase of illness, you can actually do harm to patients. So there was a big debate and it's still going on for physicians. Should we uh, in a sick patient, should we really push uh, nutrition or not? I think our study now clearly shows that patients have benefit from nutritional interventions early on when they are admitted to the hospital. A lot of hospitals today, they do screening for malnutrition, but they do not act upon it because it was not clear that um, using nutrition early on really has any benefit for, the, for these patients. And I think um, with our intervention showing that you can re reduce uh, complications, um, also you can reduce mortality uh, in these patients, and you can improve the quality of life and also functional outcome. I think this gives a very strong signal to the hospitals that they should also invest uh, not only into screening, but also into um, acting upon that and instructing patients about the importance of uh, nutritional interventions. And so I think it, it will have an effect on how we see malnutrition now as a really modifiable risk factor and not just a bystander of severe disease. Do you think, based on these data, that we have the evidence now that was lacking? Or do you think we need more evidence before we should be effectively influencing policy for hospital admissions for, for medical patients and assessing their nutrition more proactively, which is what your study is suggesting we should do? Are we at that point yet or do we need more research, do you think? So clearly our study shows that malnutrition is a very important risk factor and nutritional interventions, nutritional support improves the clinical outcomes of patients. Of course, this is not the last study on the topic, but it's more a proof of concept study showing that uh, compared to just tolerating low appetite um, and not providing any guidance on food, that a proactive management here is superior in regard to clinical outcomes. Still, uh, we need further trials to better understand what are let's say, the single components of nutrition. So how much protein should we give to our patients? Is it important with the quality of proteins, the types of sugar, the types of fat? So nutrition is a very complex issue. And I think in the future, we will have to do a lot of more work to really understand what is the best nutrition for the patient, maybe also in regard to individualizing nutritional treatment. But I think our trial was now a first important step, just proving that using nutrition at all has positive benefits for the patient. Indeed. Really good that we're discussing it and publishing this paper, of course. But in the meantime, Dr. Philip Schutz on the line from Basel in Switzerland. Thank you for discussing your paper and good luck with all your future work in this area. Thank you very much. Here is a quote from the accompanying comment, also published on April the 25th. These results are of general importance and support a change in clinical practice in which greater attention is paid to nutritional care in hospital. Thank you very much, Duleep Lobo from the University of Nottingham, UK, author of the comment. That's all for this week. See you next time.